Welcome to episode number 47 of Nurses Living the Good Life. My name's Ann Conkley. I'm a certified nurse midwife and a certified life and business coach, and I'm so glad that you're here. I have a great conversation for you today with Emily Saudry, who is a WHMP and who is running a functional medicine practice specifically for women's health here in Cleveland. And I've known Emily for some time uh, as a midwife uh, in the community and watched her as she has started and grown a business in private practice and really watched her as she has expanded and started to think about all the different ways, like most of us do when we embrace entrepreneurship, most of the different ways that she can take what she loves and what she knows and provide it as a service and a product to our community. So I'm so excited to have her uh, on the podcast and to share this uh, conversation with you. I know it will be a benefit to you. Um, So buckle in, let's go. And don't forget that if Emily can do it, if I can do it, you can do it too, okay? And I want you to listen here in particular for some of the thoughts that Emily shares because she's got some really good gems and the things that helped her get going and the advice that she would give to somebody else getting started and what's really made a difference for her in starting a private practice. So so let's go, listen up, and let's get to work. Hi, friends. Okay, Emily, I'm so glad that you're here. I'm, I'm excited to have a conversation with you about your business and living the good life. And um, before we get started, because I want to talk about what we were just talking about before we um, started recording about spending a day at a hotel, spending 24 hours at a hotel and just getting away from kind of all the um, nervous system overwhelm of being around family for those of us who maybe are more sensitive to that. So, which I love, and I want to talk about it before we go down that route. Um, Emily Saudry, thank you for coming on. Welcome to nurses living the good life podcast. And please start by introducing yourself. Just tell people a little bit about who you are and what you do. Thank you so much. Anne. it's such a pleasure to be here. Um, so I, I'm Emily Saudry, and like Anne, I uh, formerly was a nurse midwife and a women's health nurse practitioner. And about a little over two years ago, right before the holidays in 2020, in the midst of COVID, I decided not to return um, to my full scope uh, position as a midwife. Um, I was a three months postpartum and I was supposed to return from maternity leave. And I waited till the very last second because I, it was such a hard decision to walk away from a job that I did love, um, that I'd worked so hard to, um, achieve and to be in, you know, being a midwife was a lifelong dream. Um, but I did, I left because it was no longer in alignment with what I needed personally. It wasn't in alignment with what my family needed. I didn't have a plan. So if you're out there thinking that you need a plan before you leave, you don't. Um, I mean, I did have a partner that was supportive, which I I am very blessed that I had that. Um, But I did not have a plan, which was super scary, especially since from the day I started nursing school, everything had, you know, there was always a goal. There was always like, do this because this is coming. And so not having a plan was terrifying. Um, but I left practice and, and that was in November of 2020. And in March of 2021, I opened up a boutique functional medicine, women's health practice here in Cleveland. Um, it started as just a dream to see one or two patients a week via zoom. I jokingly, you know, said, I, I just want to have enough money to shop at anthropology from time to time. <laughs> I just wanted to have a little extra money 
I wanted something that was mine. I wanted to continue to do what I loved, um, which was to, you know, really help women to achieve better health and just feel better in their bodies. Um, but I didn't have much clarity beyond that. Um, I knew that I loved being face-to-face with women and helping them. And I loved problem solving and I loved functional medicine. So that's what I started. And you know, why, wait, wait, uh-huh. hold on. Why did you like functional medicine? I liked it because it was all about problem solving. It was like, you know, people aren't feeling well and we can't put our finger on it. And so it was complex, but it was also holistic. So it felt very in alignment with um, my, my midwifery core values, which were like treat the whole person, um, see the whole picture, see how their lifestyle and their emotional life is playing into what's happening for them, you know, and for, for, for midwifery, it was largely like literally at the bedside, literally in labor, like what's the holistic picture here and how can I help them get from A to B and for functional medicine, it was a lot less, um, emergent, (laughs) right. It was, it was a little bit slower pace, but it was the same idea of seeing the whole person, what they were bringing in the room and a lot you know, for the women that I work with, which is primarily women, you know, kind of in their mid thirties to mid fifties. Um, it was like, what happens after they do all this hard work, childbearing and child rearing, what happens to their health? Like that there's a huge uptick in autoimmune disease. There's just this general feeling of not feeling great. And we chalk it up to like, well, you're a mother and you're 40. So this is just how you're supposed to feel. Now you're supposed to have an inner tube around your stomach. You're supposed to feel exhausted. Like, I don't believe that. So that's what attracted me was like, and there was always more to learn, which I loved too. Um, So that was in, in March of 2021 that I opened up. And now almost two years later, um, I have a, you know, thriving and full practice um, of kind of high end, you know, high ticket one-on-one clients, um, as well as a couple of group programs that I've run with a lot of success and a team um, and, we, you know, two years in a row, I've done about $300,000 in revenue. So, um, it's a little bit more than anthropology spending money. <laughs> I would say so just about, you know, it's replaced. And then some, my, my salary is a midwife. And, and again, I didn't start out with that as the plan. Um, but I just kept saying yes and kept pursuing, you know, what felt good next, um, and stayed true to the mission that I started with. And here I am. Good for you. It's so exciting. It's been so fun to watch you really grow and, and, um, and watch you get in there and just get messy and kind of really just try and experiment and, um, and keep going. Right. Which I think is the hallmark of those of us who last in business, which is probably, we have a commitment to just like, we just figured out and we just keep going. Um, it's been so fun to witness that, um, talk about just a little bit about, um, the team approach. Cause you talked a little bit about having your own one-on-one clients. And then we've seen you in your business introduce more programs with more practitioners to support kind of a, uh, um, more roundabout approach to health. And I'm curious what, what was the decision to do that? Number one. And then number two, how are you seeing that work out for you in your business? Ooh, good question. So it's really hard when you are really passionate about the way that you deliver care to say, I'm going to trust someone else to help me do this. Um, that was, that's been, and you know, was, and is the hardest thing I think for me in the business, um, at a certain point, you can't duplicate yourself. Right. And, and I started this business slash practice to create space and freedom in my life. And, it really got to the point where I couldn't take on more one-on-one clients without really sacrificing my, my well-being and health, which is, has to always be first for me because I'm trying to teach other people to do the same. Right. 
So the first decision um, about a year ago was to bring on someone um, who was a nurse. So I, I've had now two different nurses um, and have played around with what that role looked like in different iterations. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting because it, there's not a model. There's not a lot of models to like, to say, okay, well, there's like this thing called a, you know, a nurse slash coach. And these are all the things that they can do. And this is the training program that they did. Right. I wish there was. Um, but again, my model was invented. There wasn't anyone that I was looking at to say, that's what I want to do. I just kept creating it as I went. Um, and so I've, I've found that the same thing has, has happened with having, um, a sort of nurse and coach role. So the person that I currently have, um, had a, it was, had a 20 something career year and, you know, as, as a nurse. Um, and what I found has been really successful for me is to not focus on necessarily the like education that someone has, that's particularly pertaining to exactly what I'm, you know, disseminating in my practice, but find the right person who really believes in the mission. Um, so for me, I found someone who was perimenopausal, who was really into hormone and metabolic health, who really like lit up when I talked about the things that I was talking about, who would have paid for my program, right? That was key. Was that someone who really believed in what I was charging and what I was doing and would have done it for herself um, was crucial because if someone is like, Ooh, that's kind of crazy, <laughs> you know, that was yeah. not going to be an alignment. Like they weren't going to be able to be on the team and say like, yes, I fully believe in this. And I believe you're changing lives. And this person who I currently have believes all of that. And so what she does and what really helped me is that um, for my one-on-one clients, so we started uh, working, she worked with my one-on-one clients as I see them monthly for a longer visit. And then she does a 30 minute kind of coaching check-in with them every month. So it really helped with the continuity um, because my clients are kind of, they get health coaching from me, but they're also medical patients. So she can check in and make sure that there wasn't confusion about a prescription or a protocol that we started um, because sometimes people don't reach out, right? So it was like another touch point for those people. And it was another relationship that kind of kept me in the loop about everything that was going on. And it was also another person to hold all of that um, energy, which when, you know, we have 35 people, which is about what I carry at a time. It's a lot to hold. Um, so she started doing that. And then we did our first group program in the fall. Um, it was called healthy hormones, happy gut. And it was sort of a six week hormone and gut reset. Uh, it was an experiment and it was a lot of throwing spaghetti at the wall and just seeing what worked and what didn't. And um, she helped a little bit with content creation. It's nice to have someone who's also in the work and trying to, you know, work on their hormones and their health. And, and so she really helped a lot with that. Um, and then we're starting a new program uh, this year called the Right Way to Weight Loss, which is a hormone focused weight loss program where we're going to be using potentially bioidentical hormones if someone needs that, or just a hormone plan, as well as um, semaglutide, which is a GLP-1 agonist weight loss medication. Um, so it's a really unique combination of the two. And we're taking a small group of women. It's kind of a pilot. We're working with them for a year. And in the, the in that program, it's entirely new for me. Um, instead of seeing that those, those clients monthly, like I do with my private clients, they're paying less than my private clients pay. They're only going to see me twice during the year one-on-one, -on -one, and they'll have more frequent check-ins with my nurse and health coach. Um, so that was a massive delegation and a big like leap of faith on my part. And we'll also have group sessions. So um, actually was inspired by centering pregnancy when I created the program. I thought to myself, like, there's so much that I'm saying over and over and over again. Yeah. You know, wouldn't it be great if we could do that in a group and kind of support each other? And then it wasn't so draining on me. Like, how do I expand? How do I build 
build my revenue and make more money just so that I can offer more. Right. Um, and, and at the same time, like not take, a, like take my energy away because, you know, as anybody knows, who's, who's worked in an office setting or a setting a clinical setting where you're doing a lot of one-to-one care, there are very few people who can see, can spend 30 hours a week in one-on-one care time and not feel drained. There are some, <laughs> but it's, it's really yeah. tough, especially if you're really present for people and you're not doing that thing where you've all seen a specialist at some point in your life and you walk in and they're, you know, uh, basically on a computer and barely look at you. And I think that that comes as, as a, that's a, um, it's like a care fatigue, you know, that they do that, that they almost shut down and don't, they're not really present for their patients. And they're just kind of looking at the clinical information and they can't even hold space for what you're walking in the room with in terms of your pain. And so that's, you could, you can go that way and see many people and spend 30, 40 hours a week in, you know, time and have lots of RVUs or you can say F that, like, that's not what I want to give. And that's not why I got into this. And I'm going to minimize and see fewer people and really show up for those people. And that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to really be there for the people I was there for. And that meant doing it less. Um, What's the kind of if you had to sum up like what you've learned over the past two years, what's probably the best lesson that you've learned or, or best takeaway over two years of business growth? That's such a good question. Um, I think one thing I've been playing with a lot lately is, um, you know, that like failure isn't failure. Like everybody who's successful has to have lots of things that don't work. And they can't oh get God. so many things that don't work. Right. And you can't be discouraged by that. It just, ha- you have to, I've really learned how to flip the script on that and say, huh, that didn't work. Like my, you know, the, the, even the six week program that I ran in the fall, like it was, there were a lot of really good things about it, but it wasn't what I initially envisioned. Um, and I just, and I, and I didn't feel like, oh, this is going to be my signature program that I'm going to run over and over again. Like I'm going to take things yeah. from it. And I could have definitely looked at that as like, oh, I didn't enroll 50 people. It was a failure. I took all this time to create it. It was a failure. It only generated this much revenue, which didn't, you know, basically only paid for itself. It was a failure, but I did not have that verbiage around it. And instead I said, these are the amazing lessons that I learned from this. And now I have more clarity on what my signature program will be. So it's, it's sort of like every step of the way, anything that feels like, or a difficult person or, or, you know, a client that I've had that I'm like, mm, this isn't really my ideal client. Um, I could certainly look at that as like, oh, I'm just not hitting the mark. I'm, I'm failing. But mm-hmm. the most, the most important key, I think to my success has been, you know, have your feelings for a minute, <laughs> have your feelings. I'm, you know, this, but don't let the feelings convince you or tell you that there's something wrong. Like I can be in discomfort and I can be disappointed or sad or like just bummed, but I'm not going to make it mean anything. I'm not yeah. going to make it mean that like um, nothing's working, right? We we yeah. tend to make these big sweeping statements and they're just not true. They're like, and you're the master at this. Like they're just freaking thoughts. Just thoughts. <laughs> yep. That's yep. all they are. And they have no all power. Unless you give them to them. Yeah. You know, my one, um, we were, I was just talking about this with a client uh, before we went on break, we, this is, it was the theme of the week, which was, we were talking about wins and losses and, um, and, and fails and successes. And 
we were talking through, I was sharing about, um, my one business coach talks about, there are, um, (laughs) I was watching a recent, um, session that she did. And she was talking about how she has on her email list, um, uh, 310,000 people. She's like every day, 290,000 say no. They just say Mm -hmm. no. She's like, so I get to choose. I'm either going to focus on the 290,000 that say no, or I'm going to focus on the three, the, you know, small gap between the, what is that? 310 minus 290. I don't have my calculator in front of me. I'm embarrassed to say I can't do math on the fly. Yeah. So out of my, out of these people, um, you know, the small amount, she's like, so I, I get to choose where I focus my attention. And she said, what you, what we don't recognize is that the formula is that and she was, it was a, a, a class on offers. And she said that, um, the, uh, premise is that if you want to grow a business, all it takes is offers minus no's equal yeses. She's like, so if you want to increase your yeses, you sure as fuck need to increase your no's. Mm-hmm. She's like, you need to drag your offers through the roof, 390,000 or 310,000 offers 290 of them, uh, say no. And then I'm left with this segment of people who say yes, but I can't get to the segment of people who say yes and build the business. That's a $50 million business. If I don't have the 290,000 motherfucking notes, she's like, you have, she's like, in order to get there, I'm going to have to have a tolerance and an acceptance of, and I'm going to have to even go for all the no's. And I thought it was so beautiful because I was like, oh God, that's like, it's so true. Right. Like, and so we and might like the, the thing that I kept thinking when you're saying this is like, and then you have to, you have to have some fucking armor, right? Like yes. if you're let all of those 290,000 no's like ping you. And, and if that's going to be like a hurt on your heart, like you're done, you know, you, you you're done. You can't yep. like, those, that has nothing to do with you. Nope. People are ready for whatever journey and solution you offer when they're ready. It has nothing to do with you. Right. And all of the people that I admire and who are super successful, they just like, they just keep showing up every day and they stand really firm in their purpose of what they offer and and how they support people. And remember those 290,000 people that aren't paying you, a bunch of them are still getting a lot from your content. Tons of value. Yeah. So much, value. so much value. She's like, look, she's like, I put out a podcast every week. I have 450 of them. She's like, and you know, we produce a lot of content every week. We keep showing up and she's like, and there's millions of people who've listened to the podcast who will never pay me a dime. And it's just not a problem. Mm-hmm. And I love it. Like they're, that's- they're, gonna, they're not going to pay you for years. And then they are. And then they are right. And so she just, so I, but I love that idea of like, not only do you have to, you know, become tolerant of it, not only do you have to become acknowledge the nose, but what if we just said like, no, the only way to get to that bank of yeses is to increase my offers and to in, uh, thus increase my nose. It's just a part of the process and nothing's gone wrong. I just thought that was brilliant. So it's, you know, it's so right. So using that as just that mindset around, yeah, of course they're going to say no, like all of my no's are going to lead me down the path of the yeses. And that's just how it, it's just how it goes. 
Yep. Right. Like I may do like six groups over the, I look at that even just in doing some of the webinars that I've done over the past, you know, 18 months, like we've had a lot of webinars, five vital steps to build a wellness practice. Um, uh, you know, how to use a coach approach, how we have done tons of webinars at this point, like at least a good, I don't know, eight or nine of them all with varying degrees of success. And I look at them and I'm like, oh yeah, we're going to pull this one from this one. Now we're going to pull this one from this one now. And we're just going to like, and I just look at all those and I'm like, oh yeah, each one just gets me a little bit closer. We get a little bit closer. We refine and iterate a little bit more and we just keep going. Um, and it's a, but that's a, that is, I think a differentiating factor between a lot of people who survive and who don't right in the scheme, because otherwise, if you don't have your armor on, so to speak, as you call it, it becomes it can really feel heavy if you're like, it didn't sell. I didn't hit my quota. I didn't hit my numbers. And that means I'm a piece of shit. Yep. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's, it's interesting because first of all, like, don't take it personal. So you're thinking that what's that song? Just one of them things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't right. No, exactly. And then, yeah. you know, at the same time, we don't, we don't have a lot of models in our education system, especially, and I wish that th this would change for learning these skills, right? We don't, we don't get taught these skills of, of being an entrepreneur and like being bold, right? We get, we get a very kind of um, cookie cutter, like preparation, even like the ap college application process, right? You'd think that that would be kind of an opportunity almost to prepare people, Right. But we, we just don't like, we tell people to play it safe. We tell people to do the right thing. We tell people just work hard and you'll get what you want. Right. We don't really prepare people for like, how do you become resilient? Right. How do you just, how are you able to have mud slung at you at, you know, time after time and, and, and have it make you stronger. Yeah. You still, despite that, go out and create your success. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, and you, have to, you also have to really um, hang on the moments that where, where you feel so inspired. Like I, I really try to come back to the times when I feel like I've changed someone's life, you know? And when someone says to me, like, I, I got a few random messages over the holidays, like just where people poured out their heart to me and just said, thank you so much for, you've really changed my life. And I, you know, a past version of me would have been like, oh, that's nice. And kind of moved on. And I really sit with those now and just soak them in and have them make like an impression on my heart of like, this is why I'm on this path. Mm -hmm. I can do this. And lately the, the thing that I've been playing with in my brain is like, I can do this even if I'm not working one-on-one -on -one with someone. Oh yeah. hundred percent. No? Isn't that interesting? The whole belief system is like, it's gotta be one-to-one -one or it's not useful. It's not helpful. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that yeah. there's especially coming from a care background. And so this will be helpful for your listeners is we, I, I was so trained, right. Especially in midwifery, it was like, and I worked for an FQHC and like the, I mean, the whole thing was like, be a bleeding heart, sacrifice of yourself and your personal well-being for the greater good. Like I've you are helping yeah. You're helping all these people. You're changing the world. And you're, we're the only people that are really showing up for these people who need us. And, you know, and I love my colleagues who are still doing that, you know, God bless them. But it was the, the messaging and the programming that I received in the five years that I was in that practice was it's okay for your personal well-being to be sacrificed because you're helping people who have even less than you. And so what I learned from that was, I'm not really making an impact unless I'm sacrificing my personal well-being, and unless I'm like giving of myself to the point that it almost feels uncomfortable. And it's where there's some suffering involved. 
Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And like, why, why is that, ha- that, that, that can't, that can't be possible because then what example are you setting for the people that you're trying to help? You know, you're just, you're just perpetuating this cycle of, you know, for me, it's women for you, it's probably mostly women as well. Like we're that we are defined by how much we're willing to martyr ourselves. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's not going to help anybody. It's not going to help anybody who's trying to change their life and have a business and live the good life in terms of your audience. And for me, it's not helping anybody feel better when they wake up in the morning or go to sleep at night. Yeah. But I, right. But the programming's real thick and deep on that. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. so, thick. it's so thick. Even I've, I've had to, you know, kind of check the way that even my parents compliment me on the work that I do. Mm-hmm. Um, because I would love for them to be able to see and celebrate like the risks that I've taken and the fact that I've become an entrepreneur and all of these new skills that I really pride myself in now. And, and the thing that they continue to compliment me is you're really helping people. And I'm like, that's so nice, but also like F that. <laughs> right. What about all the economic drivers I'm contributing to? What about all the tax dollars that are now flowing into my school district? Because I've got an, a driver like of, of a growing and profitable business that's got, that's a driver for tax revenue in my city. Like, what about that? hundred percent. Or yeah. the people that I'm employing whose like lives right. I'm empowering because they feel like my nurse, like feels like she hit the jackpot because she has like a job that, you know, makes her feel amazing. Right. Like what yeah. about that? You know, yes, I help people, but like yeah. that shouldn't be the only thing that I'm, that I'm being congratulated on. Yeah, no, I, I, you know, it's interesting. I think too, for those of us who um, uh, have, you know, the families that are supportive and they still don't get it. And, mm-hmm. and there's, and I think it's, it's a little bit two part. There's probably this number one sense of entrepreneurship, which a lot of people don't get in general of like, why would you ever buck the system? Like, just go get a fucking job and be happy and like, stop whining about it, being independent and all this freedom and flexibility shit, like just get over it. You know, well, and I, such a, like, thing where people are like, I'm a, you know, I have a business. So like, I don't, I don't make that much money. Right. Like, yeah, Right. So there's like, there's the, the part of entrepreneurship. And then there's this part of, I think just this ideal of right. What women are and what they ought to be. And, that there's that whole mindset around um, women and then there's a, a mindset around entrepreneurship. And I think then you combine them. And for a lot of us, it's like, I feel the same way in terms of just when we go around the dinner table and being asked like how the kids are doing or how, you know, the week was not, and not being engaged on a fine on the financials of the business or not having someone in my family be like, so what did your business do? Like how, like, what did you guys create this week or how did you, you know? And I, I notice it too. And I notice myself being triggered by it too. I don't know about mm-hmm. you. Cause I feel, I get some emotions that come up and within me, which are namely come, come from the space of like, why don't you see kind of the work that I'm doing a little bit, which is a little bit needy. It's a little victimy. Like I get it. That's my work to do. And I think there's also some circumstantial data. There are some factual stuff, which would, if we surveyed the number of questions that get asked about finances and about business and about um, versus family questions or household questions, or, you know, that I'm probably, you know, bearing the brunt of more of the, the questions about the family and questions about, you know, if my husband is traveling or if he's in town for the week, you know, like it's, and so it's, it's just a, 
I agree with you. I think it's there. And I think we've got two lenses there. And then I think, you know, to, to top it off, like if you're a part, if you identify with the queer community, if you identify with any other community upon which the disabled community, like there are any, any other forms of where you can be othered or you can be the minority, it, you know, you're just welcoming in a lot more of the mindsets that aren't really uh, designed to support you or with you in mind. So, you know, it's, I guess, part of the territory. And that's why I think yeah. I and mean, then that's why I think, you know, what you do is so powerful because you create a space for, you know, women who have training like ours to think in a completely different way. Right. And to not be and to, to have it normalized to like dream big. Right. And to ask for something. Like I remember, you know, early on when we were both building our businesses, I think I said to you, I was like, I want so many things. <laughs> I was like, I want a kitchen. I want mm-hmm. to be my and you were like, it's okay to want stuff. Like you can totally want anything you freaking want to want, you know? I and it. I was like, I was like, I, I just like having that validation, you know, it seems so simple, but we, we are, we have so many spaces in our life where we don't get that. So I, I would say a couple of things to someone who was thinking about starting a business, thinking about leaving practice. Um, you know, I can talk more about the specifics of like how I got the training that I wanted to get to, to open my practice. But you know, the, the biggest and, and most important thing is to put yourself in a space with other people who are trying to do the same thing, even if it's not open the exact same type of practice, but people who are trying to, to do something outside the system and may, reinvent the wheel, create whatever they want to create. Um, and, you know, join your program, <laughs> something yeah. like that, right. Or, yeah. right. or some freaking program like find something find some space that supports you that thinks like you do that allows you an opportunity a safe space for dreaming and for validation and I completely agree I it was so funny I my I just had a conversation this morning with a client and she is um has a dream of opening a birth center and um and is looking at a property and she's like it just feels right in terms of this property we were talking about sources of funding and we were talking about you know grant dollars versus uh, venture capital versus angel funding versus traditional lendings from banks and we were just going through models and thinking through it right and assets and debt and a mindset around like investments and assets that appreciate and like and and I was like and we I was telling her about this one podcast that I started listening to that's called my first million. And it's a bunch of bros. Like it's a bunch of dudes and I don't listen to like dude podcasts. I just don't like, that's not my, doesn't really, you know, get me going, but this (laughs) one was kind of interesting. And I was like, all right, I'll try a couple of episodes on it. And I was so, I was so surprised to hear the men on this podcast, there were three men. I just listened to the one. It was like a, um, uh, compilation of the best hits from 2022. And, um, the founders, there were a couple people that were interviewed. And so they were sharing some of the like best parts of those interviews. And I was just, I was dumbfounded by how the conversation was so, it was so like regular for them to talk about many of them to talk about a million dollars, a billion dollars. Um, I just sold this company, but then I had this other company. And then, and I was like, this is like, not the, the, in my circles, like this isn't the, it's not the 
constant conversation. Like we, I don't hear a lot of like other female founders talking about, you know, like, oh, well my first company I sold for 5 million and then my, I'm working on companies two and three right now. You know, we're looking at a, uh, an M&A on the one, like we, I, we just don't, I don't hear that. And so I think I, I too am attracted to a lot of like my current coach, right? Like looking at her building of uh, having a $50 million business and looking at her build a hundred million dollar business and watching her do it. And I look at that and I'm like, shit, like we have a lot of work to do in terms of surrounding ourselves with that kind of energy, because it's, if you don't, if you don't think it's for you and you don't, aren't exposed to the mindset or the people around you who just make it, who validate it and say like, yeah, of course you want a new kitchen. Like go, go out, let's make some fucking money so you can invest a hundred grand in the fucking kitchen of your dreams with quartz countertops. And, you know, and I don't know, like whatever the fuck you want, like warming ovens and double dishwashers and like, you know, built in, uh, everything's like everything, oh, we want double of everything. We want double ovens. We like, why, like, why not? Let's, why not dream. Let's not be scared to go there, to dream, to acknowledge it, to feel the discomfort of not having it. And then let's go out and set the world on fire and make it happen. And I, and so that is there and about like the people that you, that you spend the most time with end up becoming your reality, right? Like Mm -hmm. this is true in weight loss. This is true in business. Like you put yourself in a room with a bunch of people who never feel like they can earn over a hundred thousand dollars a year. And guess what? You're never earning over a hundred thousand dollars a year. You hang out with your friends who feel like they'll never lose that 50 pounds. And guess what? Like your behaviors are going to match your friends, right? So you have to put yourself in a room virtually or actually with people who are doing bigger, scarier things than you are. Otherwise you're never going to stretch to go there. And it's so scary for a lot of people, I think too. I even think about my own journey. It's so scary for me. Like there's a lot of, discom- I have a lot of discomfort still with building my business. I don't, I, but the beauty is now that I've learned it's not going away. Mm-hmm. It'll always be there. I just, I just it's get a lot like a better. New relationship where you're like afraid it's going to break up with you. You know, yeah, you start to get real comfortable with like, we're in this together. We've made a commitment. You're not going anywhere. So I can either like you know, stay steady or I can like choose to grow and thrive. Yeah. Right. Like flipping the conversation. Like I can have faith in the losses. I can have faith in the discomfort because if I have faith under the discomfort, it's just normal part of it. Like, of course it's there, right? Like, of course it's there. It's, it's normal to feel. So I find even, you know, just my mindset for so long was like, well, just got to like, stop feeling so uncomfortable with all this shit that you're doing. And like, no, actually, no, the discomfort will always be there. Like we're not going into those rooms where we're around people who have what, what we desire and feeling ease about it. No, it doesn't work that way. You're going into the room and you're stretching yourself a little bit. You're allowing yourself to feel that bit of discomfort of like, this is my dream kitchen and I don't have the dream kitchen. I really want, I really desire the dream kitchen and the discomfort of going back to your own home and being like, Oh, this drawer is really broken. And if it were, you know, like I want soft closing drawers and I don't want these drawers that I have because this one always gets jammed. Right. And that just like, no, it's always, there's always going to be that level of discomfort. And that's very often what pushes a lot of us to make change. And it's a healthy part, right? Like sometimes, like, I mean, even with your clients, think of like people sometimes with their health have to be pushed to the brink before all of a sudden they say, oh shit. I, I, uh, time's a finite resource. I'm not getting any younger. It's not going to magically fix itself. And maybe it's time to do something or, oh yeah, I just went to the, you know, ED with chest pain. And maybe I need to just take a quick peek in my health and see whether or not there's some things that are worthwhile and changing. Yep. 
And I would you know? say like in regards to both, whether it's your health journey or your business journey, yeah. don't, don't borrow on the thoughts of the naysayers, you know, don't like, I can't tell you how many people early on when I was considering, you know, I was like, I really want to get into functional medicine. And I just had this belief that I, I need to find someone who's been doing it for a while and like, go work for them. And I reached out to a couple of people locally, a couple of physicians and, you know, just said like, I was, it was pathetic because it's not like I'm a highly educated person, but I was like, I'll like sweep your floors and like work for you for free. Like, it's crazy what I, well, it's all, no, it's not crazy. It's all that old mentality of bleeding heart. Like, just let me, let me suffer a little for, you know, a small piece of the opportunity. Yeah. Right. And, and it, thank goodness, nobody even took me up on that. And, you know, and then eventually I said, well, I guess I'll just open my own practice and I'm going to have to find a backup physician. Like, what is that? And we didn't have a lot of models for that, especially here locally. There were almost, there was almost no one in private practice who was an NP or midwife, not until recently where there were ever even private practice midwifery groups and, and people had this belief, even though it wasn't true, this belief that it wasn't allowed or like, just because you needed a backup physician that it wasn't allowed. It's like, well, there's a way around everything, right? Like you can always find someone who's going to like have your back and support you you know, it took a couple of like scary, you know, things. I had to do some scary things, like ask people who barely knew me if they would support me and, and sign for me. Um, but I did it right. And had I listened to some of those other people, you know, not only did they say no to me, but there was also this kind of ethos in the private practice community, especially in the kind of alternative health functional medicine that like, it's really hard. You're not going to make that much money. Um, you know, you need lots of skill to do what you're going to do and you don't really have it yet. Like this was, these were the the things I was being told over and over again. And had I listened to those things, where would I be? Right. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe back at some other practice, miserable. Right. Um, and so just, you know, keep surrounding yourself. And that's why, again, like the, what you create, what group that you create is so powerful. It's like, keep putting yourself in a room with people who believe otherwise. I mean, I feel the same way for my clients because they'll come into the room with me and it's like half the time where they're just borrowing on my belief that you don't have to feel shitty in your body like that. Stop. There's another way. Yeah. Stop believing what everybody's telling you. Like, let's just actually be in this belief. And then they leave. And like that carries you through so much. And that, that, that gives you the momentum to make the change that you need to make. Right. Yeah. Sometimes I know it's just, I, I love the, it is borrowing some belief too. I mean, even, you know, and whether it's for personal gains or for business or, or find the people who have a belief system that's stronger than you in order to support, you know, getting you there. I mean, just part of it. Um, tell me what your, um, tell me what your version of living the good life is. Hmm. My version of um, living the good life is uh, waking up every day and getting to do work that's really in alignment with my belief system, Um, getting to change lives and inspire other women um, to feel great and, um, and also having freedom. I think that so many business owners, it's not just it's not just, you know, we're, we were, I'm at this point in my life where like, I'm also, I'm not going to sacrifice like my freedom and well being for income. Right. It's like the, cause they're both highly valuable to me and I'm not going to like upset the balance of like, I, I could make, you know, $200,000 more if I just kept doing this thing that's already working at the expense of my freedom. Right. If I became indentured again to kind of my patients and just had a full schedule where there's no room for creativity, no room for building, no room for growth. 
So I think that you might get into business thinking that you want the financial freedom or you want to be able to, you know, write your own paycheck. But what I think most people are actually looking for is, is the, is the life freedom, the ability to make choices on their own. Um, you know, I was able to take off the whole holiday, right. And spend two weeks alone. I was able to, you know, check myself into a hotel yesterday just to have 24 hours of peace and expense it to the business and, you know, work in quiet for, for 24 hours and, and only work on things that I love doing and that light me up, right? And that I choose, right? To have that choice to be able to say, I want to pick my kids up from school every day at three o'clock and I want to be present for them. And, you know, I think it's, it's, that is the good life. Um, I have four kids, right? I, this was, that is what makes me want to tear up right now is that I get to, I get to define like what my life looks like as an entrepreneur and as a mother, So I can, I can be there and not feel like, you know, not feel resentful toward anyone or anything about, you know, losing time. If I'm not with them, it's because I'm choosing to not have that time with them so that I can build something. And so I'm filling up my own cup, right. That my work, although of course I've, you know, we all as business owners have had moments where we experience burnout in our own business. That certainly is is not like that's just going to go away, right. It's It's a learning process and we're always trying to work against it. And we're using it also as like, for me, it's a clue. It's like, if you're experiencing burnout, like what are you spending your time doing that you don't want to be doing? You know, why were you doing that in the first place? Was it sometimes it's because you make a commitment before you really understand what the repercussions of that commitment are like, oh, if I take this many clients, I'm going to experience burnout. So now I know going forward to not enroll so many, but you know, the, the burnout is not inevitable and it's not like a, you're not an indentured servant because you get to keep making different choices. Whereas I don't know how it was for you when you were in the, the, gen, the, you know, conventional clinical space. But for me, if you wanted to like, say, have your clinic day on Thursdays instead of Tuesdays, that was like a six month process. Right? It was yeah. like, well, you've got to go through the proper channels <laughs> to fill out this paperwork and we've got to make sure, you know, it's like, fuck that, you know, like that's the part that crushes your soul. It's that lack of freedom. It's like not feeling like you have choice anymore. So for me, like living the good life is I get to do work that I love that truly lights me up. And not that my midway free work didn't do that for me, but here I get to really refine and define that. It's like, it's not this just general thing where I'm helping women. It's like, I'm helping them in a very specific way that really rings true for me. And I get to say so much, I get to say so current on what's happening. So I'm not waiting for protocols to change. I'm not waiting for like, you know, some administration to decide, yes, we should initiate this. Like I'm yeah. fucking initiating it tomorrow. Right. If there's like, like today, test, it starts today. It's today. And there's no red tape. Like we roll out yeah. new testing protocols and it's like, I just tell my nurse we're doing it. And like, it happens that day. Right. And that's that it gives breathes so much space and freedom into my life and just translates and reverberates everywhere. And my patients feel that, right? Like they, they feel like a lot of that medical traumatization that, that happens from people just feeling like they're being like thrown around in a system, like they're in a freaking dishwasher. Like a lot of that goes away when they come into our practice, because it just, that like, there's just all that noise is gone. It's like me being in this hotel, <laughs> Right. I, my, yeah. my four kids are at home being as loud as they want. And here I am, there's like no noise. And that's what I try to create for my patients is like a space where there's no medical noise. There's no red tape. We just, you come in, you tell me your whole story, tell me what you need. And like, I deliver it. Right. And then, and that, you know, that it just is, is the fucking good life. <laughs> good for you. I love it. All right. Um, 
So you covered your advice. Don't listen to the naysayers, which I think is amazing. We talked through your version of the good life. Anything else that you think would be good to share um, that you think somebody would find useful if they heard it and they were thinking about a functional medicine practice or doing something a little bit outside the box? Yeah, absolutely. Um, There are so many things. Like I said, there was no model for what I was doing before I started this. Um, so I will, I'm going to list a few of the things that I did now, and I actually created a resource document for your people that they can download with like all of the plate, all the places where I studied all of the like compounding pharmacies that I use, you know, all of the things to think about, um, because I wish I'd had some kind of just like, it's just a single page, but it's like just chock full of information. So, um, and you can provide the link for people for that download and they can grab that. Um, but you know, I, I, uh, there's a lot of places to train in functional medicine and you don't have to have finished a certification in order to open up, right? Like you're already a licensed practitioner. And if you're thinking outside the box and you're thinking more critically, like you're already a step ahead. Um, so I'm in the women's health hormone space. Um, and I have also learned so much. So one of the tips that I would tell people is that if you're interested in doing functional medicine, you can learn so much free information from supplement companies and of course, like you tease out like what, you know, is just like their marketing for their product and like just also the good science information, which is definitely there and testing companies. Um, if you're interested in the hormone space, for example, you can just sign up even without having your own practice yet, but just as a practitioner to be a practitioner with Dutch yep. and they provide tons of free education. They even have a podcast that's wonderful, the Dutch podcast, and you can start to learn all of the stuff about hormones that you never learned in your advanced practice training. Um, we just, we didn't learn very much at all. <laughs> we oh. learned like how to prescribe birth control for basically yeah. every hormonal condition and like what testing to do to rule out other pathologies. We didn't actually learn how to treat the root cause of hormone issues. So you can learn a lot of that from Dutch. Um, and I trained with, um, the Institute for Functional Medicine, which is, um, you know, one of the big certifying bodies. Um, but there's also some other ones, which I listed in my document. Um, and also, um, the Academy for, um, anti-aging medicine, A4M, which is really great. If you want to get into kind of the, the hormone space, they also have a lot of IV training, um, injectables. Um, you know, if you're into aesthetics, then you can get stuff from them too. So, they were really, really helpful. Um, and so you just, just start, just start learning. And also if you don't know exactly what your niche is, like I didn't know initially, I just knew I wanted to do functional medicine, which is so all encompassing. I was like, I'd like to do gut and I like autoimmunity and I like all these things. But then the more that I studied and studied and studied, the more I realized what I love to talk about and also like what my own methodology is. And so it's okay. If you like, you can start just like me by saying, I just want to see a couple people And so you can do all the things on the legal side that you need to have an official practice of your own. And you can even do that while you have another job, or you could go part-time at your job and see people one or two days a week. Right. And just think of it as it's not about like how much money you're making in the beginning. It's about just like getting the practice and it's going to feel a little awkward at first, but if you show up just like when you were first a nursing student, right. And you were like, oh my God, I don't know how to fold the bed sheets. Right. But you show up at that bedside with like a loving heart. Right. And like, and that is what translates, right. That is what makes made the patients when you were a nursing student, like love you because you cared. And it's the same thing when you're trying to go out on your own and, you know, maybe you're trying to start a practice. Like you, if you care and you show up giving your full energy, like that is going to go so much further than all of the different things that, you know, like you may not know all of the supplements and you might not know all of the testing, but you will learn it as you go. Right. Um, so that would be, that would be my advice because literally two years ago, just 24 months ago, I had no 
idea what I was going to do. Yeah. I had no idea. And now two years later, I figured out what my signature program is. I have my own methodology and I'm still at a point where I would call myself a novice in terms of the, the clinical knowledge, but I have a, like I, but I'm, but I'm like on the path, right? Like I, yeah. I always want to have that beginner's mind because I, the, there's always so much to learn clinically, especially in this space. Yeah. Um, but I, but I'm like every day I'm learning and I'm applying that and I'm constantly changing my programming and I'm constantly changing the way that I'm helping people. So just know like how much is possible in two years. Um, it's, and you know, granted I had four kids while I did this, so it's possible. If it's possible for me, it's possible for you. Yeah. I completely agree. I love that. All right. Well, thank you so much. Where can people reach you if they have interest in looking up your practice or maybe, you know, contacting you, we are in the state of Ohio. Um, but where could people find you if they, um, want to. Yeah. So, um, you can always find me on Instagram. It's at Emily Sadri underscore NP. Um, you can always DM me there. You can follow my, my work, um, and my content there. And then, um, you can also go to emilysadry.com. We'll have a special page just for listeners. It's emilysadry.com backslash living the good life. And that's where you can find the download that I talked about, where I'm just going to list out all the places where I trained all the testing that I use and all of the things that I had to do to start my practice in Ohio, in case that's helpful for you. Um, cause it took me a long time to figure that stuff out. Um, and yeah, I'm, uh, you can always get, get me on any of those ways. So I'd okay. love to connect. I love it. Well, thank you. Thank you for your time. I, there's no doubt in my mind that someone will hear this and think like, all right, you know, if she can do it, I can do it too. And I think you've given so many good pearls and just so many good mindset shifts that you've had over the past couple of years. And I think it's undoubtedly going to help somebody else really take their first steps and really start to think about like, well, what is my what does my version of the good life look like? And what do I want to do to go out there and create it? Like, what am I willing to, you know, to try? And you've been a fantastic example of that. So thank you for doing that. And thank you for adding to the community. I think of women's health providers in Cleveland and, you know, it's just a, it's a joy to have more resources for women now, I think than we've had in a long time. Um, and I, I credit you with, with, you know, being a, a big part of that. And, um, and then I think, um, you know, thank you just for doing the work that you do. I think it's, it's, it's so beneficial. It's, there's so much value in it. And I, you know, it's changing the game in terms of women's health. And that to me is what really is exciting. Like, you know, what if we're part of like much larger movement of creating a new narrative around what women's health could be in the partnership that could be available for women in a more broad sense. And I think this is the foundational piece of it. So I love it. Thank you. And well, I have to say, you know, you, you've inspired me so much and I took the leap in part because you did it too. So mm-hmm. thank you for all the work that you do and, you know, for being bold and being brave and taking a risk when there weren't a lot of people around us that were doing that. So yeah, that's really, really I'm sure. Yeah. That's why we got to stick together. <laughs> that's like, why, what she, what, what did she like? What? And I was like, Ooh, tell me more about that. Like, I need to know about that. So and you're just, you're just you're yeah, that's why we got to stick together. All right, good. All right, go out there. We will put the link in the show notes for, um, Emily, for her practice, for the download. And, um, and if you have questions, reach out to her directly. If you have questions about nursing, nurse living the good life, reach out to me directly. And, um, Thank you. Thank you for coming on. We appreciate you today. And I wish you all the best on your continued growth and success and trial and error and resilience. I think it's fantastic. So keep going. Okay. 
Hey, if you're ready to live the good life, I want to invite you to join Nurses Living the Good Life, my group coaching program for women advanced practice nurses, where you're going to learn how to do good work in the world and do well for yourself using my proven formula, a coach approach. Best part, it's risk-free. You're either going to learn how to create your version of the good life, or I'll give you your money back. Just head over to www.nurseslivingthegoodlife.com and we'll see you inside.